This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Welcome to the internet and radio ministry of the Christian Crusaders. It's been called the worst abdication of justice in the history of humanity. The day Jesus Christ, the Son of God, stood before Pontius Pilate, was sentenced to death and turned over to an angry mob for execution. The innocent died for the guilty. But this one event is the basis of hope for all who believe. Stay with us for today's fascinating message, The Essence of the Gospel. If someone asked you what the essence of the Christian message is, what would you say? What is the central theme of Christian faith? Why is the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus a hope-filled message for all who believe? Today is another day to proclaim the grace of God and the unconditional love of God offered to us freely in Jesus' name. Won't you pray with me? Lord God, in our time together today, we worship you as being the source of life and the source of love. We thank you that you never give up on us, and you come to find us where we are, just as we are, to speak your love and forgiveness again to us. Stir within us faith to believe, so that we may cling to the promise of Jesus and be people of hope. In his name we pray. Amen. This Sunday I'd like to read from Matthew 27, beginning with the 11th verse, Jesus' trial before Pilate. Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor questioned him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said to him, It is as you say. And while he was being accused by the chief priests and elders, he did not answer. Then Pilate said to Jesus, Do you not hear how many things they testify against you? And he did not answer him with regard to even a single charge, so that the governor was quite amazed. Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to release for the people any one prisoner whom they wanted. At that time, they were holding a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when the people gathered together, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew that because of envy they had handed him over. While he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent him a message, saying, Have nothing to do with that righteous man. For last night I suffered greatly in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowds to ask for Barabbas and to put Jesus to death. But the governor said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release for you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, Then what shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? They all said, Crucify him. And he said, Why? What evil has he done? But they kept shouting all the more, saying, Crucify him! When Pilate saw 
that he had accomplished nothing, but rather that a riot was starting. He took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to that yourselves. And all the people said, His blood shall be on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas for them. But after having Jesus scourged, he handed him over to be crucified. Five hundred years ago, Martin Luther nailed the 95 Theses to the Wittenberg church door in Germany, setting in motion the series of events we now call the Protestant Reformation. Those prominent themes that also accompany that period are grace alone, the word of God alone, Christ alone, and faith alone. I'd like to look again at those significant themes by re-examining the trial of Jesus before Pilate. Have you ever served as a juror? I did once for a man who'd been arrested for drug possession with intent to deliver, and the prosecution had lots of evidence establishing the man's guilt. But the defense attorney over and over said, beyond a shadow of a doubt, do you have a conviction beyond a reasonable doubt? I, as a member of the juror, had to decide whether the man was guilty or innocent, whether he deserved punishment legally or whether he should be set free. There's a sense in which every time we hear the message of Jesus Christ or this story of Jesus on trial, that we become the jurors. We decide what the evidence tells us about who Jesus is. So in this story, what does Pilate say about Jesus? What does his wife Claudia say about Jesus? And what do you say? Historians tell us that Pilate didn't have a wealthy upbringing. He was middle class. He had served in the Roman army in Germany. And then he married into the family that was connected to the emperor Tiberius. Because of this connection with the man on the top, Pilate was given a position that would never have been given to him any other way. In AD 26, on the recommendation of Sejanus, Tiberius's right-hand man, Pilate was appointed governor of Judea. That's nepotism at its strongest, that a man is appointed to a position of authority simply because he knows the right people. Well, in Judea, being governor carried a lot of responsibility. As the Roman procurator, he was responsible for maintaining law and order and peace in the region. Pilate's normal headquarters were in Caesarea, but now it was the Jewish Passover, and often tensions rang high during the Jewish feast. So Pilate was in Jerusalem to maintain law and order. Hence, when Jesus was brought before him for trial, it was in the city of Jerusalem. Pilate, we are told, was a tactless, stubborn, and ruthless governor. He thought that because he had power and authority, he could bully the people to enforce his will, or he could exploit them for personal gain, or he could manipulate them for political advantage. 
For example, the city of Jerusalem needed a water supply, which was always a problem. So Pilate constructed an aqueduct, a channel to bring water into the city. Pilate concluded that because it benefited the Jews, he could take the money out of the temple treasuries. You might imagine that the people were very indignant that Pilate would steal from the holy money of the temple treasury to pay for the aqueduct. The people rebelled and they rioted. So Pilate sent his own people down in plain clothes with clubs and daggers into the crowd. And at an appropriate signal, they turned on the people and clubbed and stabbed them. Many were killed that day. That's why in Luke 13.1, it speaks of the Galileans whose blood Pilate mingled with their sacrifices. Pilate was not a kind governor. He was ruthless. So on this trial day, Jesus is brought before Pilate, and Pilate has a conversation with him about this charge of being king of the Jews. Are you a king? Pilate asks. Jesus has an unusual response. You say that I am, or you have said I am. Could it be that in the manner with which Pilate was going to treat Jesus, that he was saying he was king because he was fulfilling the prophecy of a crucified Messiah? Or did Pilate actually believe Jesus was a king of sorts? You remember the sign over Jesus' head when he was executed on the cross, a sign that always told the crime for which the person was being put to death. It said, the king of the Jews. The Jewish leaders came to Pilate and said, don't say the king of the Jews, say he claimed to be the king of the Jews. And Pilate said, what I have written, I have written. Do you remember that in seven different occasions Pilate declared that Jesus was not guilty, that he was innocent of any crime, that he had done nothing deserving death. But Pilate did not wish to push against the Jewish leaders or the mob crowd. Seven times he declared him not guilty, yet he wouldn't release Jesus in a sentence of justice. He did try to release Jesus with the common practice of the release of one prisoner at that point in the year. He made the choice between Barabbas, a thug, a murderer, a riotous rebel, and Jesus, the Son of God. And the people, at the Jewish leader's instigation, called for the release of Barabbas and screamed for Jesus to be executed. Let his blood be on us, they said. Pilate also, even then, didn't want to deal with Jesus. He sent him to Herod because he learned that Jesus was from Galilee. And Herod, after wanting him to do magic tricks, sent him back to Pilate saying, He has done nothing deserving death. Claudia, Pilate's wife, interrupted Pilate's time on the bench in the midst of the trial and said, I've had a dream about this man 
have nothing to do with this innocent man. So let's recap. Pilate seven times said, no guilt, no fault. He is innocent. He's not a criminal. He's done nothing deserving death. Claudia, his wife, interrupts the trial itself in the story as it's noted to say he's an innocent man. Herod said he's innocent. Judas Iscariot, after the trial was over, said, I have sinned for I have betrayed innocent blood. The thief on the cross to his colleague thief across the way said, Don't you fear God, for we deserve what we're getting. But this man, meaning Jesus, has done nothing wrong and then begged for Jesus as the king to remember him when he came into his kingdom. The Roman centurion in charge of his execution, observing the courage with which Jesus faced death, said, Certainly this man was righteous. He was innocent. And this man was the son of God. So what's the point as this passion story is being told of the execution of Jesus, the end of the life of the one claimed to be Messiah, that the story narrative says over and over and over again by all those different characters that Jesus is innocent. Here is the essence of the gospel. The Jesus, the holy Son of God, pure and faultless and sinless Son of God, the one who in compassion healed the sick and made the lame to walk, and took the children into his arms and blessed them, who raised the dead, who exuded compassion, who taught about the kingdom of God. This Jesus, who had done nothing to deserve it, was put to death. It was the worst abdication of justice in the history of humanity. Jesus, the Son of God, was unjustly condemned, then whipped and beaten and mocked, and then crucified, hung between heaven and earth, bleeding out until the life was gone and the blood spilled out of him. The innocent died for the guilty. And that's the point. That's the gospel. The Jesus, the Son of God, is the Savior. John said he's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Pilate's huge problem was that he was entrusted with the authority to maintain justice, but he washed his hands of the sentence of justice in declaring innocence of Jesus. He was afraid of the mob, He was afraid that the Jews might report him to the Romans and he would lose his position of power. He was afraid. So in a gross violation of justice, the innocent was turned over to the mob to do what they willed. And this innocent man died. Pilate's washing of his hand did not absolve him from guilt. In an irony in the story, The mob says, let his blood be on us and on our children. Well, the blood of Jesus' death is on all who have sinned 
all who caused his death, all who have done immoral deeds or rebelled against God's right to be God. The blood of Jesus is on me, for I am a guilty man. But the beauty of the gospel is that in love for you and me, Jesus was willing to take our place. As the innocent Savior of the world, he took the guilt of all people of all time in history and died on the cross with it to wash away our sins and our guilt, to lift our shame from us, and to give us a pure heart and a new beginning in his unconditional love. That's what's called the great exchange. It was not only Barabbas, the murderous thug, who was replaced by Jesus. Jesus also took my place. The innocent died for the guilty. And his purity lifted my shame. Through the years, I've talked to so many people who were afraid that they were not at peace with God. They were afraid that they were not saved or that when life was over, that they would be banished to hell instead of welcomed into the presence of God in heaven. They were afraid that they were not good enough or they were afraid that their faith wasn't strong enough or that their profession of faith was not sincere enough, or that their morality of their life was not transformed enough. Don't kid yourself. No one can be good enough by our effort. No resolve of heart to be good now will save us or our children or those we love. It is only God who could rescue us and so God sent Jesus to die in our place. And Jesus, the pure and innocent and perfect Son of God, laid down his life so that you could believe that Jesus forgives your sin and that you belong to God. It's because of the cross of Jesus that God declares you forgiven. It's because of the cross of Jesus that you are not condemned. It's because of the cross of Jesus that we are freed from our guilt. It is because of the cross of Jesus that God calls us his beloved children. It's because of the cross of Jesus that we are resurrected to a new beginning. We are his forever. So in that grace alone... The grace provided by Jesus' death in our place, the innocent for the guilty, that we are free, that we are loved. So I believe in the promise of God in the name of Jesus for us. I believe that I am child of God. And that's what's so wonderful about the injustice of the trial of Jesus or the execution of Jesus on the cross, that that moment in time where Jesus lays down his life for us is the greatest good news for all who believe. Amen. Let's pray together. 
Lord Jesus, I thank you again this day that you laid down your life for us and called us to be your friends, to be a part of your family of faith. Stir within us hope and peace and joy in the promise that we belong to you forever. Keep us in your grace now and forever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You have been worshiping with the radio and internet ministry of the Christian Crusaders. We pray today's message has helped reassure you that although we can never be good enough to be welcomed into the presence of God in heaven, the cross of Jesus has freed us from our guilt and declares us righteous in the Father's sight. Therefore, we rejoice for we are at peace with God. A number of devoted Christian Crusader listeners have chosen to include this ministry in their estate planning. In this way, these donors leave a legacy of faith in Christ that extends far beyond their time on earth. To learn more about including Christian Crusaders in your estate planning, call us at 1-888-MY-FAITH. That's 1-888-693-2484. Christian Crusaders now broadcast on 26 radio stations in 11 states. Katali, Kenya, shortwave in Europe, on satellite radio, and on the Internet where you can find additional resources and past sermons. Visit us anytime online at christiancrusaders.org. That's christiancrusaders, all one word, dot O-R-G. We are pleased you chose to worship with us this day, and we pray you will join us again next Sunday on this station. Conducting our service was our associate speaker, the Reverend Lee Lavig pastor of Faith Lutheran Church in Spencer, Iowa. Christian Crusaders is privileged to have been broadcasting biblical truth continuously since 1936.